the three P's that make things possible. We're in a season in our own church where the truth is people are facing impossible situations. It seems impossible. Maybe you've heard the news and it's declared as impossible. Or maybe you're feeling a situation that you're confronting right now and it looks just impossible, naturally speaking. But we're believing in this season, we're declaring that whatever seems impossible, we're believing by God's goodness and grace, it's going to become possible in Jesus' name. And I know that could mean different things for different people, but at the moment, we are so aware of people facing impossible things. And that's what we're believing God for, that we're going to see God do the possible in Jesus' name. Anybody got faith for that in this room? You got faith for that in Jesus' name? Can you believe God turning around? Can you believe and see God doing amazing things in your life? Can you? Amen. Well, that's what I believe we're really in a season of right now, is cultivating our capacity to realize that God is able, God is willing, and God can do amazing things. So I want to talk to you about the three Ps that make things possible. Throughout history, we have seen time and time again, God just has done something amazing. He has turned what seems impossible into something that is possible for his people. Throughout history, there's no doubt God has taken impossible situations that people are facing and he has made a way where there seems to be no way. And we've got to stir our hearts again for our own generation. We've got to stir our hearts again for the generations to come. We can't be known as a generation that hit the wall and gave up. We can't be a generation that said it was too hard. It was too complicated. I was too distracted. No, we've got to be a generation that is stirring our hearts again to say, God, you can do anything. Who am I to say what the Lord can do? Oh, I wish I'd have wrote that song. <laughs> Who are we to say what God can and can't do? He can do anything in Jesus' name. And we've got to really stir our hearts and remember the Word of God can build a spirit of faith no matter what season we're in. But when we're confronted with setbacks, anybody had any setbacks lately? When we're confronted with disappointments, had any, anyone had any disappointments lately? Maybe you just had one on Friday. Maybe you had one last week. Maybe this whole year's been disappointing. Maybe the last three years have been full of disappointment. There's no doubt, but we've got to get the antidote to disappointment. We've got to get the antidote to loneliness, and we've got to get the antidote for what seems impossible. And God absolutely, in His Word, has given us everything we need to see things become possible. So what do we do when we face disappointments, uncertainty, challenges? We've got to remember the three Ps. Remember the three Ps when we're facing setbacks. Remember the three Ps when you're facing disappointment or you've had situations just seem to turn on you. We've got to remember the three Ps. Around 600 years before Jesus was born, God used a young prophet called Jeremiah to speak God's intentions towards his people who were facing immense challenges. God's people at that time, they were displaced. They didn't have access to all the things that they loved. Uh, they, they were basically living in exile. All that they loved, all that they knew, all that they grew up with, the things that were familiar to them, the things that their kids enjoyed doing, all of that was basically messed up with. 
I don't know if you've had that experience coming to Berlin. You've left, you know, your family. You've left something familiar. You've left a really maybe a warm climate or maybe you've left something where everybody's nice to each other and you've come to Berlin. And your first three months are like, oh, take me, Jesus, somewhere else. It's easier to give up. It's easier to move away. It's easier to pull back. But maybe God is in the moving forward and not so much in the moving back. Takes faith to move forward. Takes courage to keep going. And I really believe that when Jeremiah was speaking, you've got to remember he was a young boy. And he stood alone because all the other prophets are saying lots of other things. But Jeremiah said, I will say what you say, Lord. And I believe we're a generation that I believe not just has, Jeremiah was an individual, but I believe there's a spirit of Jeremiah in this collective generation because I believe that we are called to be prophets in the land, to speak what God's saying, not what the society is saying, to say what God is doing, not to say what the enemy is doing, to say what God can see, not what we think we can see. And so will we stand up to be prophets in the land at this hour? Will we speak to a younger generation the way God used Jeremiah to speak to his people? They were facing challenges. And this is what God said through Jeremiah. He said, I know it's tough. I know it's challenging. I know it's difficult. But this is what the word of the Lord is. Build where you are. Establish commerce and trade and build new businesses. Marry and have children and establish yourself in the land. And the prosperity of your life will spill over to the prosperity of the city. What God is doing in you, God will begin to do in society. What God is doing in the family of people of God, He will begin to do as an overflow society. Babylon basically prospered because God's people were in that city. And you and I are here and we need to understand the blessing of the Lord on our lives is going to push back the lies and the plans and the cunning tricks of the enemy at this hour. Because you're here. Because I'm here. Because we're here. And we're not just here hanging in there. We're not just hanging on, kind of holding in there just till God comes back. No, He says, prosper. Build, establish, take ground, move forward, get married, have kids, innovate, create entrepreneur mindsets and do things that maybe you feel like not doing, but do it because I'm with you, says the Lord. Amen. Well, we need a prophet of the spirit of Jeremiah in this generation. Write songs that lift the spirit of those who are downhearted and brokenhearted. Amen. Speak to them life, not death. And that's what I believe God is doing amongst us now. He's the God of the now, not just the God of the past. And the God of the now will lead us to the future. So we've got to shake off whatever it is that needs to be shaken off. Paul goes one day and puts his hand down and a snake jumps out of the fire and bites him. He's like, <laughs> shakes it off and everybody around him is like, <gasps> This like, who is this man that can shake off snakes? <laughs> I don't recommend practicing this, okay? It's a Bible story, but there's a truth connected to it. And that is when God's on you and you're working in alignment with what God wants, nothing can stop you, nothing can take you, nothing can hurt you. Even if they have a go, you cannot stop what God is doing in Jesus' name. 
Is there faith in this room? It's easy to sing it, but it's more than singing it. It's believing it in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's step up to be the prophets in the land. Amen. It's possible to believe in the face of adversity and challenge. And I really believe this is what God was saying. He said, Jeremiah 29, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for evil. To give you a future and and a hope in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's what God is still wanting to do. It's his intentions to his people. That doesn't mean that everything went perfect for them. But it was a declaration of this is who I am and this is what I do. And I really believe today, you and I, we need to make the switch. We make to make the shift in our own thinking. This is who God is and this is what he does. This is who God is and this is what he does. This is who God is and this is what he does. Amen. This is who I am and this is where I'm going. Come on. This is who I am. And this is where I'm going. Come on. This is who he is. This is who he is. And this is what he does. This is who I am. And this is where I'm going. You've got to learn to speak to yourself. Self-talk is one of the greatest uh, things that limit people from moving forward. It's not what I'm saying, it's what you're saying. And this is the crazy thing. You're saying more to you than I'm saying to you. Self-talk talks way more than me. Even if I'm a talker, your self-talk still beats me every time. So there's a competition going on and I'm always behind. But you've got to realize that self-talk, you've got to control what it is. And you've got to learn to do this because this is what God is saying. I want my people to know what I'm like in all the seasons of life. So I really believe that God gives us a picture. And I want to share this picture with you because I'm a picture person. I love visuals. Um, I learn way more through observation than I do. Some people are very academic and they're very good on that side of the spectrum. I'm on the other side of the spectrum. Um, I'm trying to tell Joyce at the moment because I've got some essay papers I'm doing for a bachelor's. And, um, and for me, it's like I'm writing with my right hand. That's my natural strength. And I feel like when I do these papers, these essays, I'm writing with my left hand. <laughs> Anyone tried writing with your left hand? If you're not naturally left hand, it's like, is that, say your name. It's like, that's an unusual creative name. <laughs> that's what it's like. So what I'm trying to say to you is, but it doesn't mean because I'm on this side of the spectrum that I have a problem with this side. It's just that sometimes you've got to work a little bit harder. But what I am trying to say to you is that God also helps us to see what he's doing. And he gives us pictures. And that's what's going on in Jeremiah 17. Let me read it for you so you can see the picture. It says this, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and who have made him their hope and confidence. They are like trees replanted in Eden, which is a picture of God's original intention. Along a riverbank, with, with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not anxious by the heat or worried by the long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Is that a picture of your life? Could it be a picture of your life? Do you want it to be a picture of your life? 
Or do you want brown leaves? Or do you want no leaves? See, what I'm trying to say today on Heart for the House Sunday, with an expectancy that God is going to continue to take us forward, amen, is that God's picture is better than our own personal pictures. Whatever your picture of your life is going to be, I guarantee God's picture of your life is going to be better than your picture. And that's not to say that your picture's good or not good. It's just that God's picture is always the picture you aim for. And it's not just idealism, a sense of idealistic behavior or thinking. No, no, it's just God. He's the creator. We've got to learn to lift ourselves up to what God is and who he is, as opposed to bringing everything down to our, our, our common experiences. No, 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 no. I, I might have had a bad experience, but I'm still going God's way in Jesus' name. And this is what's going on. He's basically saying to his people, with me, I can keep your leaves green. With me, I can make sure there's water nourishing you. With me, even though it looks barren in the land, I'm still the water of your life. Amen. What's God saying to you today? You might not have this, you might not have that. He said, but with me, you'll have more than enough in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What's your problem? It's easy to complain. In the Old Testament, the earth opened up and the complainers were swallowed up. Thank God we're in the New Testament. Read your Old Testament and you go, oh. but God, he had a way of dealing complainers. And what I'm trying to say is that's not your portion in life to live as a complainer. I don't want to build a church full of complainers. I want us to move from complaining to praising. Amen. Grumbling to absolutely speaking life in Jesus' name. And it's possible with God. And that's what he's saying here. So the three Ps that I want to share with you today. No matter what's going on, remember the three Ps. The first P is remember praise is powerful. Remember praise. Thank you, Joyce. The second name is praise. Praise is communicating with God. Praise is communication with God. It's communicating who He is. You know, when you're praising God, you're declaring into the atmosphere who God is. Amen. You're declaring what He can do. And I just pray that, you know, we build that kind of church where we're a praising church. Amen. When people come from all walks of life and they come from all different backgrounds, you don't know what's going on in their lives, what tragedy they've experienced, what things they're struggling with, what things that are overwhelming them. But when they walk into an atmosphere of praise, I'm telling you, it's amazing how everything that's on them suddenly starts to get taken away. We talk about the chains being broken. Break every chain. Break every chain. Well, what do you think's happening? Sometimes you get to find out people are sitting in their chairs, crying their eyes out. And it's not because I told a bad joke. It's got nothing to do with me. It's got everything to do with the Holy Spirit and just got a hold of them and just said, hey, you're going to be all right. The presence of God is such a beautiful redeemer, restorer, healer. You don't even know sometimes what Spirit of God is doing in the person next to you because you're so consumed with you, you forget sometimes Look what God is doing with you. And it's amazing. But I really believe God wants to tap into this whole idea of praise at a new level. Let me give you some ideas about what praise can do from God's Word. Is that okay? You ready for it? Come on, team. Help me put these up on the screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is what praise can do. It can shift the focus. Do you need to shift the focus right now? You need to shift the focus of where things are right now. What is it that needs to shift in your focus right now? 
Are you focused on what isn't happening? Or are you going to shift the focus to what is happening? Lord, I don't see it right now, but I'm going to shift the focus to what you can see. That's going to help me see in Jesus' name. Amen. What do you need to see that you can't see right now? What's on the other side of praise? And that's what praise does. It takes you to the other side. Amen. Praise shifts our focus. Second Corinthians uh, Chronicles. Those who blew the trumpets and those who sang together sounded like one person as they praised and thanked the Lord. They sang as the musicians played their instruments. They praised the Lord with this song. He is good. His love endures forever. And then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud. The people could not continue because of the cloud. Because of the Lord's glory filled the temple of God. Have you ever had that experience? Or is it just a cloud of depression that comes in? A cloud of negativity? A cloud of can't? cloud of won't? But this is an Old Testament reality, and we live in a better covenant. Imagine what we could experience by praising God from the position of Christ has completed everything. And they had the cloud in the temple with all of their background story. Well, we have a better covenant, a better promise, a better Melchizedek, a high priest that intercedes on our behalf. How much more could the presence of God turn up here that caused us? What happened to you on Sunday? I don't know. I walked into that place. I don't know. I just, all that ugly negativity, complaining, just somehow, I don't know, it just disappeared. Wouldn't it be a compliment we went to work on Monday? Like, what happened to you? Have you been in Barcelona again? You've got such a glow on you. No, it wasn't Barcelona. It was the church on Sunday at whatever Cluster Stroza says or whatever this place is called. You don't need to go to Barcelona to get the glory of God on your life. Amen. And it's not there anyway. The glory of God is where He is. And if, He may be in Barcelona too. I'm sure if Juan's there, he's there. All right. But what I'm trying to say to you is, is but this is the point I'm making is, if they experience the glory of God with the trumpets and the singing and the unity, imagine what could happen with us. It's half for the house Sunday, people. Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? What can we accomplish together? Mediocre living or can we believe for more? You know, it's tragic when you've got the potential to do great things, but you settle for mediocre things. I'm not calling anybody. No one's called to be average or mediocre. You're called to be extraordinary. Put extra on your ordinary. That's what extraordinary means. Ordinary, extra. And today is extra on our ordinary. Amen. That's what makes Heart for the House amazing. It's when people say, I'm going to bring extra to the ordinary. Hey, how many ordinary Sundays do we have? But why don't we make them all extraordinary? And you could be the one. We could be the one that turns an ordinary Sunday into an extraordinary Sunday. And I'm telling you, that's worth fighting for. But praise gets us there. Are you willing to praise or have you given up already? Come on. You're called to live with a life of praise. Anybody can praise when everything's good. It's when you, life is not good, that's when praise kicks in. Amen. So see what praise can do. It actually can fill the place 
And it causes everybody to be overwhelmed by it. Amen. Let me give you another one what praise can do. Amen. Are you getting anything from this today? Amen. Praise can turn impossibles into possible. Is there anybody in this moment absolutely understanding that possibles can come out of impossibles? Amen. That's what we're praying to God for. We get all the prayer requests. And so many people are facing impossible situations. So my prayer today, my effort today is to help us go there. Accomplish something. Believe God's going to turn up in a way that we're like, whoa, look what the Lord has done. Amen. Can we do that? Let's pull in then. Let's lean in. Let's focus. But let's believe God that he can do this. Praise can turn impossibles into possibles. Look what Acts 16 says. Acts 16. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing and praising to God. As the other prisoners listened, suddenly there was a strong earthquake that shook the foundation of the jail. Then all the doors of the jail broke open and all the prisoners were freed from their chains. Isn't it amazing how when God starts to work in your life, it affects everybody else around you in Jesus' name? It's amazing how you get free and freedom just spills over into everyone else around you. Amen. It's amazing how contagious freedom is. And this is what happened is because of their praise in a dark situation. I mean, midnight's pretty dark. I don't know where you were last night, but all the electricity went out in our area in Prenzlauberg. And me and Joyce straight away went to the candles and we felt so romantic. <laughs> Almost had a romantic dinner. It was so beautiful. I was just glad we had candles. That's what I said to her. The candle was lit. The candle was here. candle was there. I didn't care. I, she's like, who are we going to call? I said, no one. I'm like, it's just me and you, babe. <laughs> and the candles. I didn't even care that it was electricity cut. I really didn't because I was enjoying the moment. Amen. But what I'm trying to say is I didn't put my iPhone on. Who wants an iPhone when you got a candle? Oh, you're a romantic, are you? Yes. If you want to do the iPhone, make it all romantic, go for it. But I'm just saying that in the midnight hour, they chose to praise God. And I just want you to know what midnight hours some of you are facing. What are you going to do? You're going to cry about it, have a pity part about it. Well, maybe that might be a reality for a few moments, but let it only be a few moments. Turn it around as quick as you can. Get people around you say, you want to turn the midnight hour into something profound. And this is what it says, the praise opened the doors. And I wonder how many people in this room, doors are just simply locked because you've just limited your capacity to praise God. Listen, we know it's not on you. We know it's on God. But what is it that brings God into this situation? Praise. It's us responding to His goodness, declaring who He is. And I wonder how many doors could get opened if we just turned up the praise today. Amen? And just realize that this is who we are. This is who God is. This is what God does. Amen. Can we do that today? Let me give you another one about praise. There's so many good things in the Bible about praise. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Amen. Just, just Jehoshaphat. If I just slow down, Jehoshaphat, consultation with the leaders of the people. See, I love the New Testament. It's Mark, John, Peter. Old Testament's all like Jehoshaphats and all of that. But Jehoshaphat consulted with the leaders of the people and he determined, listen, that there should be a choir leading the march, clothed in sanctified garments 
and singing the song, His loving kindness is forever. As they walked along praising and thanking the Lord, and at that moment they began to sing and to praise, the Lord caused the armies of their enemies to begin fighting among themselves, and they destroyed each other. Now here's an Old Testament again, and we've got a better covenant, even more powerful. But here's a great example of what the Lord can do when God's people start to praise. And I know for some of you, again, you're growing up, you're learning to grow up, spiritually maturing. That's okay, we all have to learn. But let me tell you, when you see physical things, it's often connected to spiritual things. There are principalities and powers and rulers in high places. When you see chaos and fear and destruction and annihilation and genocide in parts of the world, it is coming from a spiritual place. The prince of darkness in these regions are the ones that instigate often the conflict between tribes and people and belief systems. So if you want to deal with conflict in a spiritual realm, you've got to get a revelation of who you are and why you are powerful. Amen. And God's people through praise were able to bring, through the work of God, they were able to see confusion come to them. In other words, let me say it this way. How many wicked plots have the enemy got that are brought to naught because we keep praising? Because we don't give up. We look at this venue and we look at it and we go, well, but the fact is God looks at this and says, because of the praise of the people in that room from all different backgrounds, because of the unity of their faith, because of the spirit of faith that's in them, the praise in them in Jesus' name coming out of them, Now listen to me, when you talk to people who work in security, border security, work in national security, work in some form of uh, protection agency when it comes to intelligence and things like that, if you get anywhere near that, they will tell you, they can't tell you a lot, obviously because of the nature of their work, but I'm telling you, sometimes there are plots of evil to destroy, to paralyze people with fear. And often sometimes these plots are brought to naught because of the praises of God's people. You take us out of Berlin. You take God's people out of a city like Berlin. And you think there's chaos all right. I'm telling you, there's a greater chaos. We are in this city because God wants His presence in this city. We're in this city because He wants His praise in this city. He wants us to push back. When people are crippled by the lies of the enemy, they don't know that the enemy's got them by their, their, their whatever. And, and, and we've got to push back the lies of the enemy in Jesus' name. Amen? You've got to get a revelation of who you are, who you belong to, what God does. I don't want to go to a church where it's three songs and a prayer. Oh, I feel nice about myself. It's not about feeling nice. It's about warfare when it comes to why we're here. I don't like that children are in darkness. I don't like that children are per, there's perversion towards our younger generations. I don't like perversion at all. I don't like God's original intentions being perverted by the enemy. You were never made for abuse. You were made for the glory of God. You were made for righteousness and holiness. and perf- You weren't made for trauma. You weren't made for trauma and for pain and for hostility. You were made for the glory of God and yet we know that that is why we are here. 
And that's why it matters the way you walk in. That's why it matters the way you stand up. That's why it matters that you actually get your hands out of your pockets and say, God, here I am in Jesus' name. Here we are. Because when we get to work, I wonder how much we push back the clouds of the enemy. And don't ever know. You might never know how much. But just know to know that when we do it, the enemy will not prosper in Jesus' name. I can tell you many stories about this, but time doesn't allow me. But I'm telling you, we're going into this. This is what Jeremiah, the spirit of Jeremiah had to say. He said, listen, let me tell you, God is with you. Keep going. So let's get a revelation of what praise can do. The second P is remember prayer is potent. Potent. I don't know what the German word is for potency, but it's potent. Amen. Have you ever had a ginger, lemon, lime, trumic drink? And everything else that you can put in there and then drink it, it's potent. It's like, I put hairs on my chest, that did. You understand what I'm saying? Well, that's what prayer is. It's potent. It's It's like eating ginger raw. Prayer is an intimate connection with God. Prayer is a declaration of who He is. Prayer is an act of humility. I wish we would be the people of prayer that we're called to be. Deep prayer. Prayer moves you from worry to shalom. This is what it says, Philippians chapter 4. Don't fret or worry instead. Uh, Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and prayers shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, shalom, that's what it means, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. You know, it's not good to live with worry at the center of your life. It's going to wreck your health emotionally, physically. And I really want you to understand that God wants us to remind ourselves again that we actually can be people of prayer. Prayer actually can do the heavy lifting for us. And not just what you're praying, it's the people you're around. Are they praying for you? Can they pray for you? But there's a revelation right there is that this is one of the ways that God shows his faithfulness to us when we engage in prayer. Don't be last at prayer. Be the first at prayer. Don't be slow to pray. Be quick to pray. Me and Joyce have never had a marriage of 30 years where we pray every morning. We're not, we're not that kind of people. Some people say, me and my wife, you know, we, we pray every morning before we do anything. We pray together. I'm like, well, we've never had that kind of marriage. But when we do pray, oh my goodness, we're going to town in Jesus' name. It, it, it's, got, it's got nothing to do with every morning. It's not a ritual. We've never had a ritual of prayer. I've told you many times, I've woken in the middle of the night and Joyce is in the bathroom praying her heart out. And uh, I'm like, is everyone okay? And you're like, she's praying. And I'm like, so I just turn over, go back to sleep. That's what happens when you marry an intercessor. They do unusual things at unusual times. I'm like, good, amen. That's what I say. I'm in agreement. Go back to sleep. And I always sleep better and funny, isn't it? It's always better when... But what I'm trying to get through to you is prayer is potent. Prayer can reduce, listen, rescue people. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. The reason I'm taking time to read this 
is because we need to get a hold of this and run. Prayer can rescue people. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Listen to what it says. We don't want you in the dark, friends, about how hard it was when all this came down on us in Asia province. It was so bad, we didn't think we were going to make it. We felt like we were being sent to death row. That it was all over for us. This is Paul talking to the church in Corinth about going into new territories, new lands, new levels, new devils. And he said it was so hard, it was so difficult, we felt like we were going to death row. And it was always like, God, this, and sometimes I think any ounce of hardness, we're like, God, you mustn't be in it. I'm telling you, it's never been a walk in the park since we started this church from the day we moved from London to Berlin. It's been fight, 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 work, 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 fight, 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 uh, disappointment, disappointment. Oh my goodness. I, I mean, just don't tell me your heart and soul. Just live it. Because everyone who says it leaves, it's like, don't say it. Just breathe, leave and live it. But what I'm trying to say to you is, I wish it was a walk in the park, but why do you think we came here? Because God knows how to bring the right people in the right cities at the right time. And knows how to put the right people together. And I really pray that we need to understand. So he says this, he says, listen, as it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened. That's like moving to Berlin and having a culture shock for the first six months. But push through and then you'll get to the other side and say, I'm so glad I'm in Berlin. Maybe you're not there yet, but trust me. If you know why you're here. But he says, it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me. I made more friends than I ever imagined. And I met people that I never thought I would ever get to meet. And he's just saying it was the best thing that ever happened. But this is what happened to him. Instead of trusting our own strength and our own wits, intelligence to get us out of it, we were focused to trust God fully. And I wonder how many of us right now, you need to get into that place where you are totally God. It has to be you. Because you know you don't have the intelligence or the strength or the emotional capacity to get yourself out of this. Because you know you don't have what it takes to get there. And you're going to know, realize that it's going to be God. And this is what he says. says the best thing happened to us because we had to be totally, totally dependent on God. And you know what I tell you that is a great place to be. Because when Joyce and I moved here from London to Berlin, we were totally out of our comfort zone. Totally out of our depth. Totally out of everything. And we had to trust God for everything. And I'm telling you, it's the best place you'll ever find in your life. Because whatever you think you're holding on to, whatever you think you need, the truth is, you just need Him. Because at the end of the day, He is the one that continually shows you, I'm the one that you need. I'm the one that you need. And my prayer is heart for the house pushes us in that direction, amen. Because we've got to go from renters to owners. That looks impossible to me. Now, I know there's a building outside of Berlin somewhere in Brandenburg that we could buy, but I don't want to build a church in Brandenburg. I want to build a church in the center of Berlin. Maybe that is affordable out there, but it's not affordable here. So it's easy to go in your own strength out of the city, but we need to be in the city. And that means, God, you're going to pay the bills then. You're going to do it in Jesus' name. And God says, yeah, I will pay the bills. And I will use my people to do it. Oh, that's the one you really clap for. Because we have the privilege, privilege, 
God can get it to you. He just needs to know he can get it through you. Amen. So let's remember that this, listen, I haven't even finished this verse. It says this, you and your prayers, can you put it back up for us? You and your prayers are a part of the rescue operation. A rescue in which your prayers played such, such a crucial part. So remember the three Ps. Remember the power of praise and what it can do to confuse the enemy. Remember the power of prayer and the potency of prayer because it says here that it was used to bring rescue to those who did not know Jesus. And I'll tell you right now, if you don't like some of the things going on in the world right now, you can use prayer to bring rescue. Who needs rescuing right now? Who needs food and clothing? Who needs water? Who needs the doors to open? You can pray in Jesus' name for wisdom to prevail. You can pray for hard hearts to soften. You can pray for barriers to be broken. You can pray for borders to be opened. You can pray for safe passage in Jesus' name. Get your prayer cap on. Don't be looking at the news going, woe is me. Turn your woes into wows. That's what God has given you. That's your inheritance. That's your portion. Turn your woes into wows in Jesus' Name. Look what the Lord has done. We know on a natural level that there's policies, the diplomacy. There is a lot of attention and a lot of direction. But at the end of the day, never forget the children of God have a place at the table. And it means that we do what no one else can do. There is no department in a government that has a prayer department. He did not anoint governments. He anointed the church. The weapons that we have are powerful. And you just want to hang out on Instagram? It will dumb you down every time. Instagram doesn't make you powerful. It just makes you distracted. Unless you're following your mother's food recipe. (laughs) Then you're helpful. And don't hear what I'm not saying. But we're not a distracted generation. We're a Jeremiah generation. Amen. And we need to understand, I don't like what I see. You don't like what you see. But we can pray in Jesus' Name. Let them borders open in Jesus' Name. Let wisdom prevail in Jesus' Name. Let the brokenhearted be healed in Jesus' Name. This is our privilege. And this is one of the Ps that you and I need to realise. And it says here that our prayers were helping the rescue mission. So don't give up on the power of prayer because I'm telling you, many people will be rescued because of our prayers in Jesus' name, amen. And the last one I wanna give you is the last P is peace is possible. In the midst of chaos, you can still be peaceful. The definition of peacefulness is free from disturbance, tranquil, calm, pleasant, quiet, still, relaxed. Matthew 5 verse 9 Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God in Jesus' name. You cannot be a peacemaker if you do not know peace. You tend to give what you've got. If you're chaotic, you give chaos. If you're distressed, you give distress. If you're worried, you give worry. If you're anxious, you give anxious. You've got to learn to give peace because you're a child of peace. You've got to push through and that's what we're living in right now. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Amen. 
Jesus says in John 14, I will not leave you the way you are. I will give you peace in Jesus' name. And God gives us peace, shalom, to help us to know that we are not going to be left on our own. Amen. It's a reassuring peace. And then the last one here. There's lots more I could give you, but let me give you just one more. Peace will guard your heart. And if there's any guarding of hearts right now, we need to guard it with the right things. You guard it with peace. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then, then you will experience God's peace. It's not that you don't have it. It's you don't sometimes realize it. A lot of people live their life, I'm waiting for the peace, I'm waiting for the peace, I'll make a decision and if there's any peace, I'll make, I'll make. No, 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 you live from peace. Pay attention when you lose it. If you lose your peace, it's because you're trying to fix something that God can fix. The absence of peace is you're meddling with God. Let God do what only God can do. Your job is to stay peaceful. Well, I don't know how that interview went. I know, it went amazing, just like God. But this is what it says. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that you can understand on a natural level. His peace, shalom, will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. And so can I encourage you to remember the three P's? Amen. The hour in which we live, praise is powerful. It's like a weapon. Amen. Prayer is potent. And it can literally bring rescue and advance the mission in every direction. And we've got to realize the power of the peace of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Peace is possible, even in the midst of chaos and craziness.